This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hey guys, welcome to The Collective. Good morning, welcome back to another episode. It's our favorite episode and it's a collective. So if you are new here and you don't know what the collective episodes are, basically they're episodes by you for you. They're episodes where you can send in your questions, your comments, your concerns, your rants, your funny stories. And I literally just go through the Google form that you guys submit your questions in and we answer them. We basically just have a best friend hangout and these are my absolute favorite episodes to record. So like every collective episode, we're going to waste no time and we're going to get straight into the questions. The first one I have is actually so sweet. It says, you and Dean seem so happy. How do you guys do it? Does he help at all with Helfrich Collective? Okay, so I love this question because it makes me really happy for people to see just how happy Dean and I are together. But at the same time, we obviously fight. Everyone fights and we just don't share it on social media. But I think the biggest thing in kind of keeping a healthy relationship and keeping a happy relationship is definitely communication. Dean and I communicate a lot. We communicate all the time about our feelings and the emotions that we're going through and just how we're kind of feeling in general. And I honestly think that also having a partner who makes you feel secure and also someone that you can trust is extremely, extremely important because the reason Dean and I communicate so well is because we fully trust each other. When we get in an argument, we're not nervous that the other person's going to leave or we're going to break up. We know our relationship. We know that we're staying together. And so it helps to let us be a little bit more unfiltered in the way that we communicate. And in turn, it just helps us to basically get our emotions out and basically work through everything that we're going through. And then for the second part of this question, it says, does he help at all with Helfrich Collective? And not to be dramatic, not to be dramatic, but I would not be able to do what I do with Helfrich Collective and honestly just what I do in general if it wasn't for Dean. I tell him all the time that he is wholeheartedly the reason that I even have a little bit of confidence in doing what I'm doing. He is just so wholeheartedly supportive and so wholeheartedly invested and wants the best for me and the best for us. And I honestly wouldn't be able to do everything if I didn't have his support. And he comes to every pop-up with me. He posts HC on his social media. He wears it all the time. He does all this stuff to help the business grow. And I honestly just am so insanely lucky and also just so thankful that I have a partner who is so invested in my well-being and in my success. Okay, question number two is, hi, I really want to live my dream life and be healthy and feel good, but I can't seem to stay motivated and actually follow through with it. 
Also, do you have any tips on healthy eating? By the way, I love your podcast so much. I listen to every single episode. You help me so much. I will immediately support Healthridge Collective as soon as I'm financially able to. One, thank you so much. That's so sweet. Um, I'm so glad that you love the podcast, and I'm so glad that you're just so supportive in general. So getting into your question, motivation isn't going to last. Motivation is going to ebb and flow. You're going to have moments where you're super, super motivated, and then you're going to have moments where you literally would rather die. Like sometimes you just don't want to do something, but you know that you have to. And so when those moments happen, you have to have built a solid enough routine that you just rely on the consistency of the movement and like the consistency of the motion. So my first tip for you would to be find some sort of routine that you fully enjoy. So plan out your day, schedule in some time to focus on yourself, focus on this dream life that you want to achieve, focus on what meals you can make, and really just make sure that you are adding this into your day-to-day and you have to stay consistent with it. And so one of the best ways to stay consistent when you're first starting out and you first kind of just need that little bit of accountability is to get an accountability partner. Now, some people don't love the idea of an accountability partner because at the end of the day, you do have to be the one to motivate and hold yourself accountable. You can't rely on someone else to do that for you. But I do think when you're first starting out, it's really beneficial to have a friend, a family member, your significant other kind of help make sure that you're staying on track until you get to a point where it just becomes innately as part of your routine. So whenever I'm not feeling motivated, but I know that I have like so much shit I have to do, there's two things that I think of. The first one is the promises that I keep to myself and the promises that I make to myself. And the example I always use is say your best friend makes all these promises to you all the time. They say that they will go out with you. They say that you guys can go for coffee. They make these plans and they never actually follow through what's going to happen? You're going to not trust them anymore. You may start to resent them and you're no longer going to want to spend time with them. The same thing goes for promises that you make to yourself. If you tell yourself you're going to wake up in the morning and you're going to go work out, but you've been telling yourself this every single day and you haven't actually done it, you're no longer going to trust yourself. You're no longer going to actually believe the things that you are saying. And at the end of the day, you should be your own best friend. So you need to treat yourself how you would treat someone else and how you would literally treat a best friend. If you make plans, you're not going to make these promises and cancel on them every single time. And so you can't treat yourself the same way. Of course, there's times where I do end up breaking promises to myself, but for the most part, say I told myself I would wake up early and I would go work out. I always just remind myself that the more promises I make and the more promises that I don't follow through with, 
the less confidence I'm going to end up having, the less I'm going to actually trust in my abilities, the less I'm actually going to believe the things that I'm saying to myself, the more I may actually end up resenting myself. And just the thought of that kind of like scares me a little bit because I'm working so hard on trying to bring more confidence in my life and be a better person that the thought of doing things every day that are actually working against everything that I'm striving for makes me nervous. The second thing I think of whenever I'm unmotivated and I don't want to do something but I know that I have to is I think of my why. And so this is one of the most important things that you have to think of when you're trying to do something that a lot of the time you probably aren't going to end up actually wanting to do. But you need to think of why is this something that's important to you? Why is this something that you even are considering? Why is this something that you are going to push through those moments of lack of motivation and actually accomplish? So everyone's why is very different. Everyone's why for different things is very different. My why for going to school could be extremely different than someone else's. So you have to reflect on that and actually think, why is it that this is important to me? Because in those moments when you don't want to do it, and you have no desire whatsoever to actually do what you need to do, you have to reflect on that why in order to push through, continue on, keep doing what's required of you, and kind of create more of that consistency and that routine. Okay, and so for tips on healthy eating, my biggest thing with healthy eating is to make sure that it's balanced. Of course, there's times when you want to have a salad, you want to get all of your nutrition in and a whole bunch of veggies and greens and all this, all this stuff. But at the same time, it's very important to still go out with friends, still have fun, eat greasy burgers, eat ice cream, and live that really balanced lifestyle. And as someone who has had really disordered eating in the past, that's something I really want to make clear is balance is honestly key. When it comes to healthy eating, I always tell everyone to have an add in mentality as opposed to a take out mentality. So what I mean by this is when you're eating dinner, you could literally be eating whatever you want, but maybe you add in a few extra greens. Maybe you add in another source of protein. Maybe you add in some extra rice or whole foods of some sort, instead of thinking I have to take this out and I have to no longer eat sugar, no longer eat carbs, no longer eat processed foods. Because to me, whenever I have that take out mentality, it coincides with a restrict sort of mindset. And of course, eating healthy and Adding in nutritious food into your diet is very beneficial for your physiological health, but you also want to make sure that you're maintaining your mental health and having a restrictive mindset is not good. (laughs) It's really not. So I would honestly just focus on adding in more foods that make you feel good into your diet, but make sure that you're still having 
food that just makes you happy. Girlies, when you're first starting a business, you have enough to worry about. The stress is overwhelming and there's absolutely no reason you should be adding any more. Luckily for us, Shopify is here to help. Shopify has all the tools to power and build your business to the next level. It grows with your business, no matter how far or big you grow. Thanks to an endless list of integration and third-party apps, Anything you can think of from on-demand printing to accounting to chatbots, everything you need to revolutionize your business, they have. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and they are the global force behind Allbirds, Linen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. As a WTTC listener, you can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash WTTC, all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com slash WTTC now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Again, shopify.com slash WTTC. Okay, girlies, we are talking about our favorites once again. If you've ever had an embarrassing BO moment, Lumi is here to help. Lumi is powered by mandelic acid to control odor in a new way. Lumi delivers outrageous 72-hour odor control from everywhere, including your pits, your feet, and yes, even your privates. And fun fact, but it was actually a patient's concern about their private odor that originally inspired the OBGYN who invented Lumi. I currently have the toasted coconut deodorant, and let me tell you, it is my absolute favorite, and it smells so good. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers, and it comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice, and free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get 15% off all Lumi products with our exclusive code. And if you combine the 15% off with the already discounted starter pack, that equals over 40% off their starter pack. Use code WTTC for 15% off your first purchase at lumideodorant.com. That's WTTC at L-U-M-E-D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T dot com. Okay, next question. So I got quite a few questions kind of stemming around the same topic of friends and friend breakups and friendship groups. And originally I was going to kind of answer them as a whole, but I'm going to go through each of them individually because I think they each deserve their own talking points and for whoever asks the question I want I want them to make sure that I am really giving it the time and the effort that it deserves so first question is my friend group has been wanting to get matching tattoos we've been going back and forth between ideas and it was hard because everyone has different tastes they finally came up with an idea that I wasn't 100% on. I wanted a little something more, but the rest of them liked it. So they are now getting these matching tattoos without me because everyone else likes it. They're also going to my tattoo artist that I found and have gone to previously. 
We've been friends for years, literally since middle school. Am I overreacting by being upset about this? My justification is that I don't want to get something tattooed on me if I'm not feeling it 100%. And instead of finding something that everyone likes and is positive about, I feel like I'm just being excluded now because I'm the only one who doesn't like what everyone else does. This matching tattoo is supposed to symbolize all of us and our friendship, and I feel like by being excluded from it, knowing they all have it amongst themselves will just remind me of this moment. I don't know. Am I being too dramatic? Okay, first of all, absolutely not. You are absolutely not being too dramatic, and I guarantee that 99.99% of the girlies listening to this will agree with me because I honestly, just being so blunt, I think that is so fucking rude. I think that is so fucking rude that they're going to go and get that tattoo without you. I 1000% agree with you that it should be something that you wholeheartedly love. It's permanently going onto your own body. You are permanently putting something on your body and paying for something and you should wholeheartedly love what it is. And honestly, I'm very, very, very proud of you for standing up and for not wanting to get it when you don't actually love it. Because I think in a lot of situations, a lot of people would feel super peer pressured almost to just kind of go along with the group and to not want to feel excluded so they would get it. And not that this might be the case, I don't know, but in a few years, you might look back on that tattoo that say you did get it and not enjoy it. You might literally not like it. And I'm just very, very proud of you for standing up for the fact that you're not going to get it when it's not something that you wholeheartedly love. Fun fact, but when I was in grade nine, I was friends with a group of girls and they wanted to brand themselves. And so basically they wanted to take like a metal necklace, heat it up like with a lighter, like with a flame, heat it up and then brand it onto their bodies. And I was the only one that said no. I was the only one that said, I don't want this. And I kind of got a lot of shit for it. I got a lot of heat for it. And I basically stood my ground and I was like, I don't really want this, to be honest. I didn't really even like them that much at the time. So I was like, there's no fucking chance I'm getting this on my body. And now I just look back on it and I'm not friends with any of them. I'm not friends with any of those girls. They're not friends with each other. Yet they have this branded mark on their bodies to represent them being friends, which obviously the friendship didn't last. Now, I'm not saying that you and your friends are the same, and I'm not saying that your friendship's not going to last, but I am saying that you need to take a look at the way that people treat you, and you need to take a look at the way people's actions are towards you, because I personally believe that if it was supposed to be a friendship, a symbol of your friendship, which obviously you said it was, that's the whole reason you guys were getting it, then why would they not want everyone's opinions to be included? And I just think it's really shitty that you're being excluded from this and I just feel really bad and I'm so sorry, but a thousand percent you're not being dramatic And 
I am so insanely proud of you for standing up for the fact that you don't love it and you don't want it on your body and not giving into that peer pressure. And I know that it might feel really shitty to not have this tattoo with them, but I do think that you'll look back on it and you won't regret getting something that you didn't fully love. Okay, next question in the same sort of topic But it says, hi, first of all, I just want to say how much I love the podcast and how much it has helped me. It's the only podcast I have found that gives such great advice. I am just hoping to get some advice on a friend breakup. I've been friends with this girl for years now, but a couple of months ago, she completely ghosted me and won't even look at me when I see her in the hallways. I know I didn't do anything wrong, but I still feel guilty. I don't want to heal the friendship, but a part of me wants closure and to clear the air. However, I don't know how to do that without apologizing for something I didn't do. Any advice? I hope that made sense. Thank you so much. Okay, I love you. Thank you so much for the nice words about the podcast. Um, Okay, one, again, this is so fucking shitty. And before I actually even get into this episode, I just want to say that being a girl, and I'm sure a lot of you can relate, but being a girl, friends are fucking hard. Friendships are hard. They go through different phases in life. We have different sort of relationships with each other compared to a group of guys and their friendship. I know Dean and my younger brother, both of them have literally had the same friends since they were like in elementary. And I am not that way. My friends have changed as I've gone through life. So honestly, friends as a girl are just extremely hard. And I'm so sorry that so many people are having such shitty times with friends. But I'm also like really thankful that you guys feel comfortable enough to even like ask this and to want to talk about this because this is something that I can talk about like for hours. Okay, but going back to this question, I 1000% agree with you that you shouldn't apologize for something if you didn't do anything. And as a people pleaser, and I'm sure a lot of us are, it can be very difficult to not want to apologize for stuff, simply to just make peace. And of course, there's times when that is taking the high road and extremely beneficial and a really good thing to actually do. But then there's also times when we kind of have to understand our worth and understand our value and recognize that maybe that's not the best way we should approach a situation. And In this situation, being a thousand percent honest with you, I don't think you're going to get the closure that you want. And that's extremely, extremely shitty. And that's really shitty of me to say. But just the way that it's kind of gone about and that she just completely ghosted you and won't see you in the hallways and just is basically just kind of icing you out in a way. I don't think that you're going to get the answers that you want. And I want to reiterate the fact that the way that people treat you is a direct reflection of them. And in this situation, I believe it's probably her own insecurities, her own lack of confidence, her own self-esteem issues that she's projecting onto other people. And I don't think that you're going to get the opportunity for her to sit down and recognize that and give you a 
proper closure conversation and kind of explain the reasoning why everything happened the way that it happened. And my advice to you on this would be to find peace in the situation on your own. And I basically would just kind of remind yourself that you're kind, you're an amazing friend, you did nothing wrong. This is no way, shape, or form a reflection of you. And use that to basically give yourself your own closure. And it's kind of the same situation of when you like date a boy who just kind of ghosts you and you're confused and you want the closure, but them ghosting you basically is your answer. That's just your answer. And it's so shitty because you constantly have these thoughts and you're constantly questioning everything. And you're like, did I do something? I don't know. Like, what's the issue? Why is this happening? But sometimes you just don't get an answer to it because the other person is projecting something onto you instead of recognizing it themselves and coming to terms with it. And I honestly think that a lot of the time people don't actually realize how badly they can hurt someone else. And so instead of being open and receptive to someone else's feelings, they just get defensive. So if you wanted to have a conversation with her, there's no guarantee that she's going to fully understand your feelings and why you're feeling the way that you are. And she might get defensive, she might get mean, and it could ultimately end up hurting you and your own feelings even more than it would have been to just not have received that sort of closure. And something I've learned as I've gotten older, because I am very much someone that I wanted to know why people acted the way they acted, especially when I was in high school and people would be mean to me. I wanted to know why. I wanted to know what I did. I wanted them to give me answers. I was so upset. I wanted there to be peace. I didn't want it to be awkward when I saw them. And as I've gotten older and I've kind of gone through life a little bit more, I've realized that I can't be responsible for people's actions. It's not my responsibility to understand why someone is acting the way that they are acting. And I don't need to have closure with every single person to be able to come to terms and be able to create peace about a situation. And I basically have to find a way in myself to be okay with what happened and to move forward. Because at the end of the day, the person who is acting a certain way or treating me a certain way, they probably don't care if I'm sitting at home and I'm stressing about it. And so I need to just remind myself who I am. So like I said, you just need to remind yourself that you did nothing wrong. Remind yourself that people act certain ways and we can't always understand it or justify it. And that's just kind of what happens in life. And it's really, it's really shitty. It really sucks. But remind yourself that you are an amazing friend and that you did nothing wrong. Anyone would be so lucky to be around you and be your friend. Find peace in that and try to take small, small little baby steps to move forward. I hope that helps a little bit. And 
I've definitely gone through this and I know how shitty it is and I know how uncomfortable it can make you feel and just like anxiety filled. But if you did nothing wrong, then you have to just know that and just try to remind yourself of that so that you're able to move on from the situation. Okay, next question. Last question in the same little topic. But it says, hey, I'm struggling at the moment to maintain friendships and even making friends. And I just feel so lonely. Could this be a topic you give me advice on? Love your podcast. Absolutely. But going off of everything that I've kind of just said, I always tell everyone that I believe people come into your life for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. And sometimes friendships are meant to serve a purpose. Sometimes they're meant to teach you a lesson. And sometimes they're meant to be in your life, your entire life. And friendships change. Friendships change. Friendships grow. And sometimes friendships phase out of your life and then they phase back in. And it's a very weird and unique situation to be in as you get older and you watch these friendships kind of change and the dynamic change in a way. So when I was younger, especially in high school and in undergrad, I wanted to have as many friends as I possibly could. I felt like that was kind of my in. I felt like I had to be friends with certain people, even if our values didn't necessarily align. More so in high school because you have less of a, I guess, like less of a group to choose from and less people to choose who you want to be friends with when you're in high school. But I felt like I had to maintain certain friendships, even if we were so completely different and I really didn't like anything about this person. I just felt like I had to keep that friendship so that I didn't go through high school completely by myself. And now being out of high school, out of university, living somewhere new, kind of just going through my life, I've realized that finding people who align with different phases of your life is extremely normal. It's extremely, extremely normal. And people can grow with you. Some friendships will grow with you, but some friendships are not supposed to go through every stage together. And so friends that I had in high school, I don't have those friendships anymore because we went different ways and it just wasn't a friendship that was, in my eyes, worth maintaining. And it can feel really shitty if you feel like, all of your friendships are kind of phasing out and it doesn't have to be a dramatic friend breakup. It can literally just be you casually kind of stop talking and it just naturally drifts. And it honestly, it can kind of suck to sort of feel like then you don't really have as many friends and you don't really have as many solid relationships. But to me, it also kind of makes me excited because then I can find people who are aligned with where I currently am in my life. So sometimes we feel like we're not maintaining friendships when in actuality, we're kind of just making room for new friendships to come in. And like I said, it can be extremely scary in that moment, but I honestly feel like we align with people who 
suit us the best in whatever phase we're in. And sometimes it just forces us to step outside our comfort zone a little bit and meet different people. However, if you have friendships that you wholeheartedly love the friendship and you want to make sure that you stand the test of time and you want to make sure that this friendship is constantly maintained, then you have to put an effort in. Friendships are like any sort of relationship. You have to put some sort of effort in in order to help it grow and in order to help it flourish. I do have a set of friends, some of my best, best friends that I don't have to talk to every day. I talk to them probably like once every three months occasionally, but I know that they're going to be my ride or dies for my entire life. They're going to be my maid of honors. But other friendships that are newer, in order to kind of maintain them, I'll schedule coffee dates, I'll text them to check in, I will ask them questions, I'll schedule workout classes for us, and I'll kind of do little things to make sure that I can start that friendship and start that relationship and help maintain it as time goes on. Okay, so then on the topic of actually making friends, making friends can be extremely difficult, but now that I'm in my 20s and now that I'm out of university and all of that, I've realized that a lot of other people are trying to make friends too. And it's not so much a situation anymore how you can only have X amount of friends and you aren't really open to meeting new people. I feel like a lot, a lot of people are very receptive to making plans with someone and getting to know someone. So one of my favorite ways to make new friends is through Insta. It's through Instagram. It's on social media. And social media can literally give me the most crippling amount of anxiety. But for networking and for meeting people, it honestly is really, really good. I honestly have no shame when it comes to social media, like literally no shame. I will slide into anyone's DMs, absolutely anyone, because at the end of the day, I'm like, if they don't want to hang out with me and they don't want to do something, then they don't have to. But why would I not just shoot my shot and try? So sometimes I'll see someone at, I don't know at an event or something and I will find their Insta and then I'll send them a message and be like, hey, I would love to go for coffee. And that's how I've actually met a lot of people here in Toronto, which was super, super helpful. Another way that I made friends is through my job. So occasionally people don't have jobs. Like if you're Dean, for example, he doesn't have a job where everyone who he works with is necessarily our age or our vibe. And so he finds it really difficult to kind of make friends at his job, but also a little bit outside of his job, because obviously Dean doesn't want to message someone on social media and ask them to go for coffee. That's more of a me thing. But I was really lucky because my Pilates studio, I knew for a fact before I even applied that those girls that work there are very much my vibe. Those girls that work there are into fitness like I am. They're around my age. They like to have fun. They just very much align with who I am. And so a few of my new literal best friends come from that job. 
if you're in a situation sort of like Dean, how the people that you work with aren't necessarily your vibe or you work from home and you don't really see very many people, it can definitely be a little bit trickier and a little bit harder. But I always say one of the best things if you're into working out and you love workout classes is get to know people at your workout classes. And the more that you start to go to those classes, the more people will start to know you. And I'm, I'm a little scary, but whenever I go and I try a new workout class, I will typically find the instructor or someone on social media if I like their vibe. If I don't, then we ignore it. But if I like their vibe, I will find their name on Insta and I'll follow them so that I can kind of keep up with what they're doing and kind of build like that Instagram relationship, which sounds so dumb and I hate saying it, but we know that it's all true. And at a certain point, I can ask them to go for coffee or hang out if that's something that I want to do. But also, even when I lived in Pittsburgh and I went to Solid Core all the time, I became friends with people at Solid Core simply because I literally went all the time. So the instructors and I would go for coffee. I met different girls that would go and take class and now they're my favorite people. So it's really just making sure that you're constantly putting yourself out there, which for an introverted girly is extremely scary. But like I said, a lot of people are very open to making new friendships. And if someone is rude or doesn't want to make friends or or gives mean girl vibes, then that's definitely someone you don't even want to be friends with anyway. So we just mark it as like a pass and we continue on. Okay, a story about making friends. So last week or the week before, Dean and I got invited to an event and it was our first ever event. So we were very nervous. We were really excited. We didn't know why we got invited, but we were so happy to be there. So we went to this event and we were sitting at a table, the two of us, and there was a table beside us that was empty. And then a table beside that one that had this couple there and they were pretty much our age. They were literally our age and the girl did social media and the guy kind of just came along for fun. And I said to Dean, I was like, they literally are our vibe. Like that's actually Dean and I, they were eating all the food. They seemed really sweet. They were just like having a time. And I said to Dean, how am I going to become best friends with them? I literally said to Dean within like the first four minutes of them sitting down, I was like, I want to become best friends with this girl. She just gives good vibes. Everything about her seems nice. And I'm like, I just want to be her friend. So the entire time we were there, we were probably there for like two hours ish, maybe like three. We were there for a hot minute and I kept brainstorming to Dean how I was going to approach them and kind of introduce myself. And I literally had so much anxiety about doing it. And finally, once the night was like winding down and people were starting to leave, I was like, I have to shoot my shot because otherwise I'm going to go home and I'm going to be pissed at myself for not doing it. So let's just, let's just suck it up and do it. And so at one point I leaned over to them and I asked them about the cocktail they were drinking and they were so sweet. They let Dean and I both try their cocktail and we actually ended up moving over tables and sitting right beside them and getting to know them. And her name's Brianne. So obviously we were going to become best friends. And we actually just went for dinner with them the other night as a double date. 
and they're literally the sweetest people ever. But that's just kind of an example that we all get super anxious in those situations unless you're extremely extroverted, which I'm not. And if you are, I'm so jealous. But sometimes you just basically have to hype yourself up and be like, okay, worst comes to worst. They aren't vibing. They don't like me. I never have to see these people again. So I'm just going to try and be super friendly and get to know them because I want to make new friends. I want to get to know more people. And they were super, super into the idea. Like they were just so nice and welcoming and we just hit it off so well. And so now Dean and I have a whole new couple of friends that we can like go out and hang out with. Okay, switching gears, next question. How to prep slash hype up for an interview and not get down after a rejection from a job? So first thing I'm going to say is that feeling sad and getting upset over any sort of rejection is totally normal. It is the most normal thing to probably ever happen. And I honestly think that you got to take a hot minute to just wallow. I am a strong advocate for taking some time to just be upset, be mad. And then basically you pick the pieces back up and you get your shit together and you're like, hey, I'm a boss ass bitch. We're going to continue on. But I think having that moment to Honestly, cry it out, be really disappointed, eat your ice cream, watch Vanderpump Rules, just cry. Like, just have that time to be upset is so crucial because it helps us to release our emotions and not hold everything in. And once you kind of have that little breakdown, you can start to rebuild the pieces and bring yourself back up to want to try again. Because rejection sucks, no matter what it's for, it fucking sucks. I literally will call my mom all the time having a full, full breakdown. And I will say to her, I know everything's fine. I know I'm going to be okay. But right now I just need to cry it out. And then tomorrow I'll get my shit together. Like just knowing that you're going to be okay is part of it. But also just letting yourself break down is another part of it. But so post breakdown, the way that I pick myself back up is basically knowing that I have so much to offer and knowing that things are going to happen for me the way that they're supposed to happen. And something I constantly remind myself, especially as a girl who's extremely anxious all the time, and I think I fuck up all the time, is I remind myself that if something is truly meant for me, There's nothing I can do to ruin it. There's nothing I can do to make me miss this opportunity. And I think about this literally constantly because if I send an email and I'm a little nervous that I sent it one day after for a follow-up instead of three and they might think I'm annoying. Or if I'm nervous that in an interview I said something stupid and they're like, this girl's fucking idiotic. We don't want her. I remind myself that if something is honestly meant for me, that there is absolutely nothing I can do to mess it up because it's going to happen no matter what. And I just really just say that over and over in my head to just kind of calm that anxious feeling surrounding like what's going to happen. And I always say that rejection is just redirection. 
And a lot of people probably get annoyed by that. And they're like, yeah, but it still fucking sucks. And I totally agree. But I always look back on my life whenever something doesn't go the way that I want or whenever I get rejected from something, especially if it's something that I put a lot of effort into and something that I really, really, really wanted. For example, I put a lot of effort into this massive deal for Halbridge Collective, literally so much. Like it's been months and months and months and it basically isn't happening, especially like just at least not at the moment. I still have faith it'll happen in the future, but basically they said no and I had a whole breakdown because I was like, why is this happening? But at the same time, I look back on my life and I think about all the other things that happened that I got rejected from and the things that happened that I literally thought my life was over. And I think if that were to have happened, how different would things be for me now? And so, for example, when I got rejected from med schools the first time, I thought my entire life was over. I thought I had no, like, no future. I thought I was the stupidest person. I thought I literally was going to combust as a human being and provide nothing to society. It was the worst rejection I've ever had. But at the same time, I look back and I think, okay, but if that were to happen, I wouldn't have this podcast. I wouldn't have all of you listening right now. I wouldn't have Dean. I wouldn't have Healthridge Collective. I wouldn't have all the friends that I have because things wouldn't have happened the way that they did. And I would have never met these people in my life. And it reminds me that although rejection sucks in the moment, A lot of the time you look back on it and you think, okay, but there's a reason that that happened. And I wish in the moment when something really shitty happens or you get rejected from a job that you worked so fucking hard for or rejected from something for school or rejected from a relationship or any sort of rejection that you knew in that moment why it was happening to you. But you don't and you just have to know that you're going to be able to pick yourself back up and you're going to find something better for you and you're going to literally just keep accomplishing the things that you need to accomplish despite that rejection and it's so normal to feel sad about it but I have faith in all of us that we're going to pick ourselves back up and we're going to fucking conquer. Okay, going back to the first part of this question, it says how to prep slash hype up for an interview. So my biggest prep tip for any sort of interview is to do research on the company or the organization or the school that you're interviewing with. So before I would do interviews for different schools, I would look up their mission statement. I would look up what their values are and kind of figure out how those align with me and what I want to do. And that way I can bring those up in the interview and it shows one that I know their school and one that I know their organization and I'm not just randomly applying to random places. And two, it shows a little bit of like how I would fit in to their organization and like how I would 
be able to kind of mold myself in there, which is something that interviewers love to see. They want to know that you're going to be able to be well adapted into their environment. So I think that's really important to kind of prep. I also, whenever I do an interview, I remind myself (laughs) that I'm also interviewing them. Even if I'm interviewing for a job, I'm also looking at the people interviewing me to see, is this even somewhere that I want to work? Are these even people that I want to work with? And so I kind of flip that mindset a little bit and I basically just do it so that I'm not scared, so that I'm not as scared and I'm thinking, wow, they're judging me. They're judging me and like everything about me. And I kind of flip it to be like, well, I'm judging them. Like, do I even want to go here? Do I even want to work at this place? Do I want to go to this school? And it kind of just helps me (laughs) to remember that it's not necessarily a one-sided interview and that I have a little bit of power too. Okay, my last interview prep tip that I have is actually something I taught Dean, but I learned it when I was doing medical school interviews. And basically what you do is whenever they ask you a question, you repeat that question back to them with your answer. So we'll do something easy, something easy like, what do you think you can bring to our team? And I would say, thank you so much for that question. I strongly believe that I would be able to bring blah, 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 blah to your team due to my blah, 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 blah. And you kind of just repeat that back to them. This works really well, especially for case-based kind of questions or scenario questions that are a little bit longer. And so, for example, med school interviews, they would say, you are a physician and you have a 14-year-old patient come into the hospital requiring blah, 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 blah. How would you proceed? So I would always reply back and say, thank you so much for that question. If I were a physician working in the hospital and I had a 14-year-old patient come to me requesting blah, 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 blah. And you basically just literally just say it back, but it gives you an opportunity to really process what the question actually is. It gives you an opportunity to fully understand what it is that they're asking. And I honestly also just think it sounds way more professional as opposed to be like, I would do this, this, this on your team. It sounds a lot better to kind of restate the question, answer it, and let it flow. In terms of hyping myself up for an interview, I always listen to my favorite song in my headphones, always, before any interview. I say affirmations to myself 24-7. I tell myself I'm a boss-ass bitch. I tell myself I'm so fucking confident. I tell myself that any place would be lucky to have me. I tell myself that I would bring so much to the team and I'd be the best employee or the best student they've ever had. And I literally just have a dance party, hype myself up, give myself a little confidence boost, and then go in there and do my thing. Okay, next question is, what are some of your favorite date nights? I need ideas. So some of my favorite date nights are easy ones like going to dinner, 
We love to make dinner at home. Honestly, we like to make dinner at home more than we do actually going out, but to kind of elevate it a little bit more to make it more of like a date as opposed to just a normal Wednesday night, we will go buy wine or we'll literally put our bubblies in a wine glass and we'll dim the lights in the kitchen. We'll sit at the counter. We'll light a candle and we'll put our phones away and just spend that time together. And that kind of just makes it a little bit more of like a quote unquote day as opposed to just like I said just a normal night that we eat dinner together another thing that we love to do is we love to go see movies so we'll go to the movies at night I love some movie theater popcorn it's a great way to just kind of get out of the house go into a different environment watch a nice movie together we love seeing movies and so that's one of our go-to's to be honest we just we love movies dean's parents actually got me a cineplex gift card for my birthday because we love movies so much another thing we love to do is not so much in toronto in toronto we more so go for walks at night but we love kind of going out and just kind of walking around seeing what's happening on the streets of Toronto and just going for nice walks together. When we are back home in Edmonton and more so in Pittsburgh, we would go for drives. We would literally get in the car. We would go drive around town, listening to music, singing music. And that was something that we just loved to do. I think that a lot of the time when we think of date nights, we think of super extravagant, expensive type of things. But Dean and I are both very, very simple and kind of just love each other's company. So those are things that we love to do. Also, now that it's becoming warmer out, one of our biggest goals for the summer is to have picnics. We want to have picnic dates all the time. Just kind of put a whole bunch of food in a little basket, take it to the park, sit, sit together and just have a nice little picnic. That's something that we're really, really excited for. Oh, I just thought of like a really good date night idea that you should do. I mean, you guys might not love it as much as I do, but so Dean and I started watching the Try Guys videos on, on YouTube and they have this series where it's like baking without a recipe and they basically are choose some sort of food item. So for example, it's cookies and they decide to bake it without an actual recipe and they just kind of do their own thing. And so Dean and I have been doing that and one of us will we'll make our own and then the other person will make their own. So we make two separate items and it's honestly just really fun. It's something that we play music in the apartment and we just both kind of start baking and just doing random things. And we basically just see how they turn out. If you're on my Insta, then you saw that I literally posted one day, I kind of made a hybrid between a cookie and a scone. I don't really know how it turned out. Dean didn't like it. I loved it. But it's just kind of something fun to just do that doesn't really cost that much extra money. It's something you can just kind of do at home. The two of you play music and just, yeah, just kind of have a fun little date night. Okay, next question. It says, I'm in my later 20s and launching a business while still working and trying to enjoy life. You are such a hustler and do so much, but you also seem to still enjoy your life and do things you love. 
How do you balance the financial pressure of running a small business and school and still deciding to splurge once in a while on things that make you happy? For example, fitness classes, dinner, clothes, trips, etc. I've always struggled with budgeting. Any tips and tricks would be super helpful. Okay, well, I'm super excited about your business and I'm so proud of you for launching it because it's honestly really fucking hard. It's really, really hard. And unless you're kind of in it, you don't fully understand. So I'm so glad that you're able to kind of relate to the struggles and the financial struggles of just owning your own business, but also trying to just like be a normal human being and live your life. I think the biggest tip that I have is to prioritize. And so what I mean by that is for me personally, I really love working out and workout classes are super important to me. So I put in my budget my gym membership and then also the reason I got the job at my Pilates studio is so that I can get free Pilates so I don't have to spend money on it and so that was just something that I kind of did because I knew that I didn't have the money to actually buy these classes so I decided to kind of find some sort of way to still be able to do it Obviously, I'm not saying get a job at every single place you want something from, but I just try to find ways that I'm able to budget properly. When it comes to Halverage Collective, I'm very, very, very lucky, and I'm not going to act like I'm not extremely privileged that my parents helped me at the start to put funds into it to actually be able to grow it a little bit. But now I'm so lucky that I'm at a place where everything the Health Rich Collective makes goes right back into it. I obviously don't get a salary from it, and we're not at that stage yet, but everything that is in Healthridge Collective, I really try and prioritize where we're spending our money. So for example, we just did a photo shoot and I didn't have enough money to hire a photographer. I didn't have enough money to hire models. So I used what little budget we had to rent a space and Dean literally came and shot me in the clothes on our iPhone. And that's just the way that we had to budget it. And that's just the way that we had to prioritize what was important to us in that moment. And of course, I wish that we had more money to be able to do stuff. I wish that we had more money to be able to have like a seven day production shoot with all these people and all this fun stuff. But we're just not at that stage yet. So prioritizing is super, super important when it comes to budgeting. Dean and I will literally sit down and go through the costs of everything that we have. So our rent, our electricity, gas, if we use the car, groceries, and we create this budget and we figure out how much money is coming in, how much money we're spending, and then how much money we have left over for the month to put some of it away for saving, but to also use that for going for dinners or going out with friends or doing something because I do think that that's still super, super important to do. But I think it's really beneficial to actually sit down and look at the cost of everything instead of just kind of guessing in your head because a lot of the time we're very inaccurate when we do that. And so knowing exactly 
where what money's going where and what money's coming in from where is super super helpful. Dean and I also were both raised with the mentality that you only spend the money that you have. So whenever we buy something on our credit card, we immediately pay it off and we never buy anything if we don't actually have the funds to be able to buy it. And I think that that's really important because otherwise you can get into debt and that's how things can start to spiral a little bit and your credit can get bad. And there's all these things that can kind of happen when you start to go over the amount that you actually have. So that's something that we are extremely diligent on. We never sway off of that. We never pay for something that we know we're not actually able to afford. And my last thing would just be to save. Whenever there's something that I want or I'm really excited about, like a trip or something, I will start to plan in advance. I will start to save in advance and I will take a few months to accumulate enough funds to actually be able to buy something that I really want. And I honestly think that for me right now, my biggest priority is Healthridge Collective and even Dean's super, super supportive and tells me all the time that he wants to help financially and put money into it, but it's my biggest priority. So I haven't bought myself any new clothes. I bought myself a new pair of shoes a little bit ago, but I count that as a birthday present, but I haven't really spent money on myself. I haven't been getting my nails done. I've kind of just really prioritize what's important to me and I've cut things out that don't actually really make that big of a difference to me anymore. And so that way I'm able to take whatever leftover money I have for the month and kind of put it back into my business because that's my baby and that's my main goal and that's the thing that I want to succeed. And I'd rather do that than buy myself a new top if that makes sense, like I'd rather hustle now and put that money in now and work really hard for that now. That way later I can kind of enjoy the benefits of it as opposed to going out all the time with my friends or going to all these crazy events that cost a shit ton of money or doing all these really fancy ass trips and not actually being able to help my own business bloom. I hope that helped a little bit. I know that finances are super, super stressful. I am constantly stressed about Hoverage Collective and our finances and the fact that I can't do as much as I want to because I don't have the funds to be able to do it. So I totally get the anxiety that comes with owning your own business, but trying to also live your life. And especially in our 20s, you kind of want to go out, you want to have fun, you want to travel and do all this stuff. But it's hard to do that when you also have these other goals that you're trying to accomplish and you just aren't able to make all of it work all at once. But I hope that those budgeting tips helped a little bit. Um, please feel free to send me a message if you ever have any other questions, because I know that it can literally be the biggest pain in your ass. Okay, next is 
Tips on gaining the confidence to do things alone. Recently moved to a new city. My boyfriend and I have very different schedules right now, so I have a lot of time to myself. I'm fine with going on walks or shopping alone, but I want to be able to take myself out to restaurants or go sit at a cute coffee shop without feeling awkward. I'm an introvert at heart. So I am too. I totally get it. And honestly, very proud of you for shopping alone and going on walks alone because a lot of people wouldn't even do that. So that's a really big step. I used to feel the same way. I used to feel like I was so awkward whenever I would go anywhere alone. And now I've kind of gotten to a point where I actually like my alone time more than I do with other people. And I like to go do things by myself so much more. But what I've learned and what I've noticed is that I perceive things a lot differently than other people. And we're kind of in a world right now and in a society where a lot of people can't even focus on anyone else but themselves. Like we're just so wrapped up in what we're doing ourselves and who we're trying to be and what we're trying to accomplish. And it's just a lot that to focus on what someone else is doing honestly just isn't even in our wheelhouse anymore. We just aren't even able to kind of like figure that out. And so with that, whenever I go to a coffee shop or somewhere by myself and I think people are looking at me, I think someone's judging me. I think I look so awkward or weird just sitting there by myself. I remind myself that probably no one's even looking at me. Literally no one probably gives two shits what I'm doing. And it kind of just helps me to stay a little bit more calm. I also think that with doing things alone and trying to gain the confidence to do them alone, it's almost like a muscle that has to be worked. It's something that you have to one, take that first leap and actually go to a coffee shop or somewhere and sit by yourself. You could literally go for five minutes and sit by yourself and then leave. But you have to just take that one little leap and you have to keep doing it. You have to continuously keep working that muscle to become more confident in doing it as a whole. And I know it's really scary to go, but once you go the first time and say it's like the worst experience of your life and you absolutely hate it, you have to promise me that you're going to go back again. You have to promise me that you're going to literally keep trying because I always use the example when I think of this myself Think of like a workout class that you go to for the first time. And you know, when you walk into the studio and you're kind of uncomfy, you don't really know where anything is. You get in the class, say it's a spin class or something, and you don't really know how to set up the bike. You don't know where in the room's your favorite bike yet. Like you just don't know the vibe of the place. But then you keep going back because you're on a membership and you're like, I have to keep going. I don't have a choice. And so you go and like a month later, they know you at the front desk. You know what bike you like the best. You know how to set it up. You start to get in the rhythm of what everyone else is doing. And I honestly think it's the same kind of idea. It's something that the more you work on it, the more confident you'll get with it, the more comfortable you'll get with it, and the more of a norm it'll become. And so... You need to just take that first little step and you just need to try it. Like I said, a lot of people are probably not even paying attention to you in the nicest way possible. They're so fucking focused on themselves and you just got to keep at it. So what you're going to do this week is you're going to 
Google the cutest coffee shop near you. You're going to go to this coffee shop. You're going to sit down and you're going to just try and take that first step. And then after you're going to keep doing it. And if you need to send me a message and have me send you motivational inspo all the time, I will. But I promise you, you'll get way more confident doing it. And I love going to coffee shops by myself and just sitting there and working on my computer and having that alone time. And you might actually find that it becomes something that you cherish and something that you really, really love doing. Okay, last question is thoughts and tips for getting over the social anxiety after you leave the scene, like how you leave and you just start overanalyzing the fuck out of what you just did slash said, or maybe it's just me. Okay, well, first, it's not just you. I feel like literally everyone does it, especially if you have any form of social anxiety, 1000% you do it. I literally think about this all the time because... Like I said, I do it honestly after every single social interaction. I will literally talk to someone in my elevator of my building and I'll get into my apartment and I'm like, did I just sound so fucking weird? Like what just happened? But something I think we all need to keep in mind is like I mentioned, no one actually is really focusing on anyone else. A lot of the time people are kind of focusing on themselves. And also we're our own biggest critics. I am 1000% the meanest person to myself. I 1000% criticize every single thing I do, every move I make, every way that I say a certain word. And a lot of other people are not going to do that. And so whenever I'm in a social situation and I find myself starting to kind of overanalyze it, especially after I've already left the event, I realize I'm probably just being a bitch to myself and I'm probably just kind of spiraling for no reason. And whenever I get home and I start to do this, I have to remind myself the event's already over. Like you're, you've already left the whole event's already over. So there's nothing I can do to go back and change it. Even if I did sound like a fucking weirdo or I said something weird, I can't go back and I cannot change anything that happened at that point. So by me spiraling, I'm honestly just affecting myself. I'm not affecting anyone else, anyone else's perception of the evening. I'm literally just making myself go crazy. And so it's easier said than done. It's easier for me to just sit here and be like, don't overthink after an event. Obviously, if you have any anxiety, you're going to. It's something that's so natural. We all do it. But also find comfort in the fact that we all do it. You know, it's not something that you're just doing. It's not something that you have to think, oh, I'm so weird in social situations. So I go home and overthink it. A lot of people do that. And like I said, the event's over. There's nothing you can do about it. So I try my best to just kind of move on from it. But then I also constantly remind myself, like, I'm my own biggest critic. I am literally the biggest bitch to myself. So what I'm thinking actually happened in the moment and the way that I was talking and the way that my words sounded and like my awkwardness no one else probably felt that. Literally no one else probably thought anything of that sort. And if they did, then okay. But most of the time they don't. And so I just have to remind myself to basically chill out 
and to be a little bit kinder to myself. But those are all the questions that we have for today. Thank you guys so much for listening to these episodes. They're 1000% my absolute favorite ones. It's just a girly chat. We just get to hang out and kind of just talk about everything that's going on. I know I've been a little MIA the past few weeks, but I will talk about that in this week's scheduled episode that comes up on Wednesday. But thank you guys so much for listening to this. I love you guys and I will catch you in the next one. Bye. My name is Renee Rena, and I am the mom friend you have always wanted. I am also the host of the Mom Room podcast. We publish two episodes per week, a co-hosted episode on Tuesdays and a solo episode on Thursdays. Popular topics include pooping and having sex after giving birth. I have a solo episode where I talk about not sharing a bed with my husband and why that's okay. I hope you'll tune in to these conversations every week. Join us on Instagram at the mom room podcast and start to feel a little less alone in this crazy thing called motherhood.